Shalom. This is Gary Duroshinsky, Congregational Leader of Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation. Thank you for downloading our message. We're delighted to make it available to you through the generous donations of our members and friends at Beth Ariel. We know that many are struggling financially because of the challenges facing our economy, and we do not want financial issues to keep anyone from enjoying our teachings. So please continue to listen in as often as you like. But if our presentations have been beneficial to you, and you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at BethAriel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L.org. Also, please remember to pray for us that we would be responsive to the Lord's guidance as we reach out to the lost sheep of the House of Israel in the greater Los Angeles area. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this message. So now, Lord, as we turn our attention even briefly to your word, may you sear it home to our hearts. May you bring it home to our minds that we might understand it better. May you transform our wills that it might be conformed to yours and that we might live lives that are worthy of the name by which we are called, that we would live lives that bring joy to your heart, that we would live lives that are an expression of our gratitude for what you have done for us. And so, Father, may you have your way with us, even as we've laid at your feet our offering of praise. Now, Lord, might you open our hearts to your truth. For we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. So let me just share briefly with you. I have to tell you, I've been really thinking about the return of our Lord of late. Now, when I first came to faith, I was in a church, and I was 17 years old, and I've got to tell you, I think probably 90% of the messages I heard in that body for about five years were all about the return of the Lord. And it was sort of like all on this side of the ledge, you know, it was sort of top heavy. And he, the pastor would come and he'd have statistics about earthquakes. And then it would launch him into a message about the return of Messiah. He would give us statistics about floods and about wars and about conflicts and all kinds of things. And it would be a jump start into the Lord is coming again. And I, you know, it just gripped us. You know, Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet Earth. I know that's a little before most of your times, but no, put your hand down, Charlene. You don't want to put your hand up. <laughs> you know, it's a little before most of our times, before Charlene's time. She's just a little confused, a little confused. But it was before our, your time, but it was the kind of work that just, you mean the Lord's really coming again? The one who had given his life on the tree, the one that was buried, the one that rose again, he's really going to come one day? That was like news to me. I had embraced him as Messiah, but then to hear all this stuff about he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, watch and wait. He's coming quickly. He's coming when you least expect it, when you're not looking for him. He's going to be there, so you better be looking for him. Of course, the pastor used to say, but don't look too much because no one knows the day of the hour. So if you begin to guess the day of the hour, it's not that day. 
Because no one knows. And so if you pretend to know, even if you think to know, and it might have been the right day, he says, oh, can't come now, because no one knows, you know. So I used to say, well, maybe it's tomorrow. Well, I was going to, but now I can't, you know. But no one knows the day or the hour, so we always have to be watching and waiting. The thing about it is that when you look at what the scriptures teach, all of us know a great deal, for example, about Passover and about the celebration of the Lord's Supper in connection with it. But did you know the Lord's Supper is only referred to like six times in the Brit Hadashah? I counted them. There are only six times. Did you know we talk about immersion, such as Floyd did this morning, and uh, also Kevin was immersed at the potluck as well that we had. And we think about immersion. Do you know it's only made reference to some 17 times in the Scriptures, things that we're all knowledgeable, knowledgeable about? But the return of the Lord is made reference to over 300 times. And maybe in some other ways of counting it, we can get it even to increase a larger number. But here's also an interesting thing. Did you know that the Bible begins with the statement about Messiah's coming as king? It speaks about him coming to give his life. But at the very beginning of the Bible, it tells us he's coming to reign. It tells us in Genesis 3.15 that he's going to crush the serpent's head. And when you read further, we all think, oh, that's what he did when he was on the cross. But the reality is, according to Paul, chapter 16, he says that the Lord is going to crush Satan under your feet shortly. What happened at the cross was the sentence. But what will be actuated will occur when he returns. Genesis 3.15, yes, that his heel would be bruised, his death. But he will ultimately crush the evil one his return, right at the beginning. At the very close of the Hebrew Scriptures, again, Messiah is going to come. We're told that the Son of Righteousness will rise up with healing in His wings. It's a reference to the coming of Messiah in all of His brightness, the Son, S-U-N, in all of His glory. He's coming again. And it closes with the promise that the herald of the Messiah, Elijah the prophet, is going to come and he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, their children to their fathers, before that great and terrible day of the Lord. The Hebrew Scriptures open with the promise of Messiah's coming in glory. It closes with the promise of Messiah's coming in glory. The Brit Hadashah opens with reference to his coming in glory. Because we read the genealogy, the book of the genealogy of Yeshua, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Notice the inversion. Not the son of Abraham, the son of David. It's the son of David, then the son of Abraham. Why? Because he's coming as the king. And when does he come as a king? When he comes in all of his glory. And so his very first message informs us that he's coming in glory. That what he had come in initially was in humiliation. He stands up in the synagogue. He reads from Isaiah 61. And he says that he came to set the captives free. He came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he sat down. But right after that, it states in Isaiah 61, and to declare the day of vengeance. He stopped short of that phrase because right then and there, he was coming to proclaim the grace of God in all of its fullness. But we know what follows if we know the text. He's coming again, and when he does, it will be in judgment. In fact, Psalm 2 tells us that. It tells us that he is coming with a rod of iron. 
It's quoted in the book of Revelation. In chapter 19, when he comes, it says that the great one on the white horse will have a rod of iron by which he will judge the nations of the world. So the Brit Hadashah opens with the promise of his return. It closes, even so, come Lord Yeshua. Do you know there's so many references to the coming of Messiah in his glory that we could, we could lay it out one reference per chapter in the Bible. That's how frequent it is. Messiah himself told us when Pilate, or I should say Caiaphas, said, are you indeed the Messiah of Israel? He said, yes, I am. And the next time you see me, I'll be coming in the clouds of glory with great power. I'll be coming with great power in the clouds of glory. He's told us over and over. In fact, one of his major teachings in Matthew 24 and 25, Mark chapter 13, Luke chapter 31 is, 21 is all about the return of Messiah. What shall be the sign of your coming? And he said, you will see, and we sang it this morning, you will see the sign in the heavens. The Shekinah glory will then reappear. And it's the indication that Messiah is on his way. When we look at the world around us, we wonder, is this really true? Because there is so much heartache in the world and in our own lives. There is so much pain and suffering in our world and in our own lives. There is so much violence around us, and some of us have experienced it personally in our own lives. But the day is coming when Messiah shall return, and then all things will be made right and all things will be corrected. Now, why is this so important? I think it's important for four major reasons. Let me just share them with you, and we'll close. First of all, it's important because the return of Messiah brings to a conclusion the work of redemption in the lives of believers. If you look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, he tells us, Paul tells us, that at that time when the Lord shall come, there'll be a transformation of our bodies and a full resurrection will occur. This mortal will put on immortality, as he says in Corinthians. This temporary body will put on an eternal body. That which is subject to death and decay will no longer be so subjected to it. And thus the finality of God's work of redemption and grace in our lives will occur. The return of the Lord brings to completion the work of redemption he began on the cross. And thus when he returns, we will be transformed into his very image that he's been transforming us into. And so the return of the Lord brings to a conclusion, a consummation, if you will, we sang about that, the consummation of God's work in our lives. But it also brings to a conclusion and a consummation of God's work in Israel. Because in Romans chapter 11, it says that when the deliverer comes out from Zion, he will turn all ungodliness away from Jacob. When the Messiah appears, his work among Israel will be completed. In Genesis 12, he called out Abraham, and from Abraham, he made a people unto himself. Not a perfect people. Those of us who are a member of that nation, those of us who are Jews, we know how imperfect we are, although we think more highly sometimes of us than we ought to think. That's true for all of us. 
but no less so for we who bear that name of chosenness as God's chosen people. And so therefore we are greatly accountable to God. In fact, Paul tells us, doesn't he? He says, blessing will go to those who do good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, but also judgment upon those who do wrong to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We have an incredible responsibility as God's chosen people to live as his chosen people. And that means embracing Messiah who has come, as well as living righteously and holy in his presence. But God's purpose in choosing Israel was for them to be a light unto the nations. It hasn't happened yet until Israel is born again in a day, as Isaiah tells us. Until all Israel is saved and we become a nation of redeemed people. And when we are that nation as such, as Paul says, then we will certainly be what God had intended for us to be when he first chose us from all the nations of the earth. So the return of Messiah brings to completion his work of redemption in the individual lives of both Jews and Gentiles today and throughout history for the future. But it brings to conclusion God's work and plan and purposes for Israel as well. But when Messiah returns, it not only will affect you and I who already know the Lord and those who have gone before us and those who will follow us, not only will it have that wonderful impact upon the Jewish people, but it will have the same kind of impact among the Gentile nations. In fact, this was very interesting to me as I was reading through the book of Acts. And when you look at Acts chapter 15, check this verse out. I know many of you are already familiar with it, but listen to what what we read. It says, um, Peter described how God first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for his name. The words of the prophets agree. After this, I will return and we, and rebuild the fallen tabernacle of David. I will rebuild its ruins. I will restore it. Now look at this. Why? He tells us. So that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, namely the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who makes these things known from of old. The return of Messiah will bring to conclusion the work he's doing in your life and mine. It will bring to a conclusion the work he's doing among Israel, the Jewish people. It will bring to a conclusion the work that he's doing among the Gentiles. I think that's just such a powerful phrase, don't you? So that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord. That's an incredible responsibility we have as Jewish believers to be an example and a model, a lure for the nations to seek the Lord. For if we seek him with our whole heart, we will find him. And thus, when Messiah comes, it will affect the nations of the world. Some will be judged, but some will be redeemed and be spared and will enter into the kingdom that Messiah will reign over. And then lastly, not only will the return of Messiah bring to a conclusion what God's doing in our lives, what God is doing among Israel and what God intends to do among the Gentiles, but it will also bring to a conclusion what he's doing in the entire universe. Because if you look at Romans chapter 8, it says the creation groans and it's yearning for God to bring about 
a cleansing, to bring about restoration, to bring about refreshment, to bring about replenishing. The world will become what God had intended it to be when he made it in Genesis chapter 1. And then ultimately a new heavens and a new earth will emerge. And it will be one that will no longer bear the scars, as it were, of the fall. And it will be one that will bear testimony to the glory of God. So what does this all mean for us? It means that we need to be a people of prayer, for we are to be praying for the soon return of our Lord. Isaiah says, There are watchmen upon the walls of Jerusalem that give him no rest day or night until he brings to fruition his plans for Israel. We are to be among those watchmen, as it were, that are beseeching the Lord to bring about his plans, not only for Israel, but for us, for the nations, and for the world that he has created. And not only ought we to be praying, but we ought to be speaking. We ought to be verbalizing. We ought to be prophetically uttering the truths of God. We ought to be proclaimers on the street corners, on the mountaintops, in the valleys, in our homes, wherever God has us at work or in school. We need to bear the name of Messiah. Too many of our brethren are suffering for that name. And we ought to be about joining them in others knowing exactly who we are, exactly what we believe, and exactly that we are identified with Messiah of Israel, no matter what the cost might be. For us, it's more often than not reputation or, or awkwardness. But for many people in the world, it's their very lives. And time is short. I think of my own life, having turned, dare I say it, you know, having turned 60, I think, you know, 20 more years, what, what, how much time do I have? How longer can you stand and speak? What will happen? And, you know, when I was 25, I thought, I've got all this time before me. Don't rush. Don't worry about things. But, you know, like that, it's gone. And how often that was said to me, and I said, you know, that's an exaggeration. But, you know, it's true. Time moves faster than we think. And before we know it, we're going to be on further down the road than we are now. This is the day the Lord has made. We are to rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that we have to serve God. None of us knows what tomorrow, even the next second, may bring. This is the moment. And so we have to stand in response to that moment. And we need to serve him and proclaim him and let others know him. We're more concerned about our 401ks than we are with the message of the good news going out. We're more concerned with the roofs over our heads and the food in our bellies than we are with the word of eternal life going out. I'm as guilty of it as the next person. But we need to face the realities of the message we have, the need for it in our world, and that we are the ones God has set apart to proclaim that message. And so the question is, will we, be, will we stand up and be counted? Will we go into all the world and make 
disciples of all nations. That's what the Lord told us to do. Will we make disciples? And in light of the soon coming of our Lord, in light of all the tragedies that are surrounding us in the world, we need to be about that task because eternity is a very long time. Let's pray. While I'm praying, the ushers can come forward. Father, we thank you for this morning. We are grateful for the time of worship and praise that we had. We're thankful for the gifts you've entrusted to Ted and the musicians and the dancers and every one of our congregation that can raise up their voices in praise and adoration. For you alone are worthy. And so, Father, we're grateful for that. We're thankful for your word and its truths. And so we ask, Lord, that you might just rivet it to our hearts, remind us periodically of its truths, empower us to live in light of it. May you enable us this week to share our faith with someone who doesn't know you. And whether we are ones who plow the ground, whether we are ones that water, whether we are ones that harvest, you, O Lord, are the one who gives the increase. And so all glory and honor goes to you. But might we do what you've called us to do. And may Messiah come quickly and bring about his shalom, his peace to our world. For we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our message. We hope that it serves to encourage you in your walk with the Lord and your service to him. Do remember us in your prayers. And if you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at BethAriel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L.org. Thank you again, and may our Heavenly Father richly bless you as you continue to follow Him. Shalom, shalom.